Hey everyone, welcome to Bootleg Magic. This is the new podcast from writer Alia Muro and me, Nasri Atallah. Uh, we're both British Arab creatives. Uh, we also happen to be friends and we've been wanting to do a podcast together for a while actually. Uh, but the current pandemic was the kick up the ass we needed to actually buy some podcast microphones, which uh, incidentally are out of stock on Amazon. So I guess uh, 95% of the population has a podcast now. So we're just adding ourselves to that pile. Uh, anyway, we're going to chat once a week to check up on each other, which we've been doing during this pandemic. We're going to talk about the things getting us through the week, from pop culture recommendations to kind of advice about relationships and family and life in general. Um, and every week we'll be bringing in a friend into that conversation uh, from the creative industries mainly uh, here in the UK where both Alia and I live, across the Arab world where we're both from. She's Egyptian, I'm Lebanese, and well, anywhere really. We've got friends all over the place that we think would be interesting to listen to uh, for you. This is our first episode, uh, so forgive us while we tinker about. The audio isn't quite BBC-worthy yet, uh, but we promise we'll get better as we go along. Uh, do subscribe, do follow us so you can stay uh, you know, um, aware of when these are going to drop. Um, if you do enjoy the show, give us five stars or whatever kind of rating system exists where you listen to your podcast. If you don't like the show, um, you can just walk away from it. You don't need to tell us we're crap. Thank you. <laughs> enjoy the show. Hey. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Got my little set up on the floor in my bedroom. <laughs> same, same. You know, makeshift studio. Exactly. I'm learning a lot. Learning a lot about padding sounds. <laughs> How's your week been? <laughs> yeah, good. I've had a good week, actually. I feel like um, the sun being out has really helped. I went for yeah. a really, really long walk on Sunday, which is like literally the first time that I've done that in like a month. Um, Have you been really, really staying nice. at home? Yeah, I have. Like I got back um, from LA and I was like sick. So for a few weeks, I was kind of stuck at home trying to adjust to like what the hell is going on and dealing with like jet lag and being ill and stuff. Um, and then I and like also a little bit agoraphobic, like I'm a little bit conscious of going outside right. um, more than is necessary. So I'm do you have that? Do you have that usually? No, not at all. Really? Not at okay. all. I'm, I'm such a social person, although I do get into my moods where I want to be really isolated. But it's funny because I I live alone. So kind mm. of being, being um, I haven't seen humans in ages. So I went for a walk and I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, there's people here. Yeah. You've been that's going thing. on quite a lot of walks, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the thing that's been keeping me sane is uh, every day without fail, like I walk for an hour. So it's like separate from exercise. I mean, not that I have been doing, I haven't been doing any <laughs> exercise, but like that's my exercise, I guess, is my my one hour walk. I try to, you know, shake it up, go different places. I've actually, I actually went like, you know, when you're in your own neighborhood, you kind of take a wrong turn and you realize like, oh, I didn't know this street was here and yeah. this is a cool building. So yeah, we've, me and my wife have been doing that a bit, like just taking the turn we would never take and that's seeing so nice. What, yeah. I mean, I think we started this, it's been what, like a month now, this lockdown. And we've done all the stuff. We've done the, you know, read a bit and fix up your house and do Zoom yoga classes and make bread. I mean, we didn't make bread, but we made niche. <laughs> but now I'm kind of I'm done. I'm done with all of that stuff. I know. I totally hear you. I think it's a weird one. I've actually been slowly getting into routine, which I found really, really helpful. Like such a militant person, which I've realized now as I've kind of been telling my friends the kind of stuff I've been getting up to. But for years now, I've been doing things like setting 40 minute alarms, like in my working day and kind of making all these sort of weird rules for myself that I try as possible. And I've been doing that even more 
now. And actually, I'm finding that it's really helping me to kind of, you know, you wake up and you're like, okay, and not like, alhamdulillah, I'm awake and I woke up, but like, whoa, a whole other day, like, what am I going to do? You know? Yeah. And actually, I'm finding that having these set slots of like, okay, and this time you do this, like at that time you do that, and having that 40 minute alarm go off like throughout the day is really helping me realize, I think, the passage of time and mm. kind of stay quite grounded and present I think that makes sense because I'm I'm often having these days I mean the first week of this lockdown was just existential dread like I thought everyone was gonna die I thought I was gonna die my wife my parents like I was just like catastrophizing um second week was okay like how are you gonna actually make this time useful and by the third so now I'm in this phase where actually I've realized I have a lot a lot of work uh, and a lot of projects that I need to be doing. So I'm I'm happy that I'm back at like a kind of functional state. But then I realize I'll just look at the clock and go, oh shit, how's it 4 p.m.? Like, where did my... The days are flying. Yeah, and which is the opposite problem I thought I would have. I thought I would be kind of like the day would be slow and never ending. And now I just find myself like, oh no, I have, don't have enough time. I guess that's a good plan, like what you're doing, those like alarms to keep aware I mean, it sounds a bit brutal to have an alarm every 40 minutes. <laughs> no, and then because then you take a break, right? So you do 40 minutes of work where you're not distracted by your phone. Like you don't like, you know, you don't go to the bathroom. You don't get up. Like you just focus on what you're doing. Right. And then you've got like a 10, 15 minute break where you go on your phone. You have whatever you do, any of the other things that you want to be doing. And actually, it's quite helpful even in terms of getting up and taking a break. I feel like a lot of us and there is this whole thing of like being productive and this mm productivity guilt that I think we've all been feeling yeah. a lot but I'm I'm at the stage now where I'm like I'm actually really enjoying the projects that I'm working on and they're helping me feel like excited and all of these things so like do I need to guilt myself for guilting myself for being productive do you know what I mean yeah, like there's yeah, no yeah. right answer like, yeah I've seen it's because I've seen it go both ways right so some people go you know, this is your time to write that book and learn Spanish and all of this stuff. Then you see other people who say, you know, if you just woke up today, that's good. And I agree with both kind of in a way. And I just think basically it's down to what's making you get through this. So I'm a bit like you. So as soon as my project started picking up again, and like we were pitching a TV show now, like that's, I mean, shockingly, you know, that's filmed in, you know, remotely in isolation by the actors. Um, so hopefully that happens. Cool. Yeah, it's fun. But so, and I'm like just so on because I have that in my life now. Like I'm waking up earlier. I'm more active earlier in the day. Like I feel I have something to live for kind of rather than just moping around. Oh, I totally hear you. Uh, but then again, like if someone, I don't think people should feel guilty if they haven't done some, like someone asked me like, have you written that book? Because I've been trying to write, no. a, <laughs> write a book for ages. Uh, I'm like, no, and I'm okay. It's fine. I wasn't. It's not like I didn't have time to myself. Like I've always had time, you know, the time is there. It's just, and it's not suddenly like in the middle of a terrifying global pandemic that I'm going to have the, you know, the clarity of mind to sit and be creative and, and happy. It's so true. It's so true. It's like, I saw this tweet and it was saying, if you think that now is the perfect time to write a book, then you've never written a book before. <laughs> yeah. Like, definitely not. But, but I think, you know, it's quite, I saw this article and it was saying how um, time feels like it's going faster at the moment. And part of the reason why that is, is because we're in an anxious state. So our brains are working and like solving problems and being anxious and worrying and right. stuff, which is also something for it to be doing, you know? But you've been quite busy. Like I, you've been putting out a lot of articles. You've been writing a yeah, lot. Yeah, it's, you know, it's actually been, I've been really enjoying getting back into freelancing. Like I haven't really focused on free, like writing freelance articles since before my, it's before I started writing my book, yeah. The Greater Freedom, which is probably about two years ago now. Mm -hmm. um, and actually it's been, it's been quite interesting because everything's new, right? Because of Corona, like everything is, is in this new altered state. Mm -hmm. And I think microscopes have been placed on a lot of things um, for us to realize a lot. 
Um, so it's been it's been raising a lot of questions for me and giving me a lot of things that I want to explore and write about. So it's been yeah, it's been really cool actually. I've been enjoying getting back on my pitching and like writing game. What have you found yourself like most attracted to to write about during this period? I'm, I've always been, I think, really interested in like social kind of, you know, like as humans, like I studied sociology at university and mm -hmm. it's just always been quite intriguing for me. Like, why do we think the way that we do? Like, why do we live our lives? You know, the way we do, like, how do we feel? All that kind of stuff. Um, so like I wrote an article about what's going to happen to hookup culture, for example, because right. we've been, we've become so accustomed now to like, standing far away from people and kind of, you know, wearing masks and like wearing gloves and kind of having a little bit of like disgust potentially towards like other human beings, perhaps as a way of kind of helping ourselves and staying away from this virus yeah. or whatever. Um, but how are we going to unlearn that? That's what I was curious about. Are we going to be able to, are we going to like snap back? Are we going to still be a bit disgusted for a bit? Like what's going to happen basically. But don't you feel like, because I saw you like asking about that when I think when, while you were writing the article, you just asked like what people's attitudes were, were going to be, you know, what they thought their attitudes would be after this whole thing. But I, I started thinking, I mean, I haven't been part of hookup culture for a while because I've been married for a while. But um, but I mean, I remember like always kind of part of hookup culture is, you know, you have to go get STD tests and you have to be careful. And so like I think it's not discussed, but like being careful, especially I mean, if you're responsible, kind of responsible person, being careful and disease aware of disease has always been part of hooking up, you know, of course. So I, I wonder if it's just like one more thing that's, you know, part of that weird space of it's like it's exciting and worrying and, you know. Yeah, definitely. I really hope that we've all been kind of conscious, responsible adults to that regard. Um, but I think that it's not it's not the same as like a sexually transmitted disease because it's like fear of being close to another human. Yeah. So I think it's going to, you know, even like dating, like it doesn't even need to necessarily be, you know, the full thing. Like yeah. Even like going on a date with someone, sitting next to someone, like even that, especially for someone like now I live alone. Like oh, it's been ages since I like touched someone else, you know. <laughs> so I'm like how that even that feels really strange for me to think that I might even like hug someone. I'm like, oh, how do I yeah. unlearn this? Like, Yeah, I thought initially that, oh, it's, you know, like whatever we've. We'll just snap back completely. And then last week we went for a walk and we decided to meet some friends. I know this is like not essential, but we, we decided to meet some friends kind of and walk together at a safe distance from each other just to like see other humans. And so this friend was saying something to me and I didn't, I didn't respond. And she looks at me, she's like, you know, you're not on WhatsApp. Like you have to respond immediately. <laughs> and I had just kind of forgotten like normal human function. I told her, sorry, like I haven't seen anyone who isn't my wife in in a month. And I just don't know. So I forgot funny. that I was supposed to like immediately respond to you. <laughs> That's so funny. Honestly, it is. It's just all bizarre. It is so bizarre. People are getting really like, there's so many um, different opinions as well about like what, it means to be social distancing like are right. you allowed to go for a social distance walk with your friend like yeah. i saw that um it was courtney kardashian i love the kardashians <laughs> i know I, I i know too much trivia about them but it was her courtney kardashian's birthday last week and this whole like all her family all their friends like this huge group of people went outside her house to like sing her happy birthday and each of them were in their own cars right um but they were all like hanging out the windows and stuff and it made me feel a bit uncomfortable to see it mm. because I was like, I understand that you're socially distancing technically, right? You're all in your own cars yeah, and stuff, yeah. but we don't really know like how this works. Like, I don't know. Like my parents keep being like, let's just meet up and sit far away from each other. And I'm like, I want to see you guys. I really do. But I just, I just don't know. You know, if, if it's, I don't know. I think part of it is like the communication from government has been kind of weird. Because we've been, you know, you get told one thing, then like, so for example, you get told by the government, like you shouldn't see your parents. Then you find out that like the Scottish health minister has been to see his parents and you're like, hang on, but you have information. Okay. Like 
you're a human, so you can make mistakes, but you also have information and that information has made you decide it's okay to see your parents. So maybe it's okay to see, I don't know. It's just, we're making all these decisions about something so new based on, you know, most of the information we get from the government is like how many people have died today and all that kind of stuff. And none of it is very kind of individual. And obviously they have to pick things like stay six feet away. And I'm, I'm sure six feet isn't some magic number where, you know, you have an invisibility cloak like within six feet of you and, you know, you're protected. I'm sure you can get infected at 10 feet, at 20 feet, or, or less or more, but yeah, you have to pick a number. Um, so we kind of then have to make kind of ill-informed decisions alone to figure out. Plus, I mean, I have a lot of friends now who are making the kind of decision between, uh, you know, staying See, this is the thing is it's not just you, right? So you're, I mean, I'm not afraid to catch the thing. I mean, I've been, I've had friends who've had it. They've told me it's basically the worst. I mean, you think you've had it as well. You know, it's, it's, it's just like one of the worst colds you've ever had if you're our age, but then I don't want to. I'm lucky, I suppose, because we don't really even know. Yeah. And I, I don't want to transmit it to anyone, but then again, you start thinking, you know, if some people have their mental health that's starting to fail because of this, like they're getting into really, really anxious states. And if they need yeah. to go do something that's quote unquote, not essential to protect their mental health, then I'm, you know, I'm not going to judge them. I mean, I went through like one weekend no. where I just went a bit crazy when, when it first got sunny and everyone was in the park. I was kind of like, what are you doing? You're going to get all the parks shut. How selfish. But then, you know, people have different, like I'm, I live with someone I love I, I love my apartment. I, I love my cat. Like I'm lucky at home. Like most people aren't that yeah. lucky at home, you know? So of course, of course, there are so many, there are so many different situations. And I think that's actually the problem here is that, well, for the first time we're being asked to think in, well, first time in a very long time, mm. we're being asked to think in terms of this like collective. Right. Um, and I think the problem is, and this is what I was saying to my parents is it's like, okay, say I make the exception mm-hmm. to come and see you guys. And then someone else makes the exception to do something yeah. else. And then someone else, like if we all are going to make one, two, three, four, five exceptions, we were like, we're kind of in t- dangerous territory if the yeah. whole point is to social distance. So I think that's, I think that's the thing. So I, I think as much as you can, where your mental health allows and where, you know, all of these things, then, then yeah. And I think the exceptions come when they need to come. And I think that's, we need to kind of be careful to keep the exception being an exception, I suppose for now. Yeah. I mean, in any case, like I think we're approaching the end of this, and it's so weird. It's like when... anyway, I'm really, I'm really glad you went and had a nice walk with your friend. By the way, oh, yeah, so yeah. Sorry. oh man, it was <laughs> the most exciting thing. <laughs> That's totally not what I meant to like. No, no, no. You're like, I went for a nice walk, and I'm like, well. <laughs> no, you know, like I, but I mean, and we're making decisions together, my wife and I, and like we're we're always er, you know erring on the side of you know we don't want to put anyone in danger we don't want to do anything stupid so we're not we're really like keeping anything like non-essential to an absolute minimum um but i mean so, like at some point i was going to the supermarket like three times a day just cuz like i just wanted to feel normal then i realized like that's quite stupid like a supermarket's i mean port the you know, the people who work there i mean the position they're in having to be around people all day is crazy like in the middle of all of this i heard a really good um, interesting thing. I think it was uh, this guy called Professor Galloway, uh, um, Scott Galloway. He's on a he does a podcast called Pivot, um, and he's a teacher at NYU in marketing. And basically, he was saying like the difference. And he's American, obviously, so America is a whole other cl- clusterfuck right now. Uh, and he was he was saying the difference between you know where because every time there's like these uh, happiness index indexes it's always all these nordic countries and and he's saying you know it's not happiness isn't linked to where you make the most money or the richest country it's where you are afraid of losing things the least so in countries with like a big social kind of support network you're just never afraid of ending up in the street of ending up without healthcare and like that's i hope like kind of what we come out of this is like allowing people just never to be afraid like if this happens again you're not going to be out in the street you're not going to be yeah. i don't know we'll see i guess definitely i think that's such a good point actually i think 
that feeling of like safety and security is ultimately what makes us like happy and kind of able to able to exist in the world with our with our full potential not to like get too cheesy but if you kind of are forever worried about all of these things then you're never gonna have enough free brain space to think about things that might seem frivolous if you see what I mean yeah I mean I was I was recently in Iceland uh for a wedding for a friend's wedding (laughs) <laughs> recently yeah it actually feels like it was 20 years ago but it was only two months ago <laughs> two months ago uh around early february we were in iceland and um and i just like there's so many musicians like everyone we we're talking to was a musician and obviously like you know i know bjork and sigur Ross, like i i know of musicians from iceland but then i told them like how come you have so many musicians they said well basically you know we, we have very little to worry about because we have this social security net. And so we're encouraged to be creative besides, I mean, they also told me there's a lot about the country itself that makes them creative and they're very, actually isolation there is a big thing. So they're often isolated. The weather's quite tough. The distances are tough. Like there's a lot that's tough about the place, which makes people kind of think about life in a way that we're all thinking about now. Um, and but they're also you know they have support same in norway same in you know canada whatever and here you just i mean the uk i guess in terms of a european country is the place where we get maybe the least support for the arts um and i mean forget not you know without even talking for a minute about you know egypt or lebanon or places where you're actively kind of discouraged and put hurdles hurdles in your way to think about anything other than just surviving, you know? Um, I don't know. Is this getting too grim? <laughs> no, no, I think we're, we're all right. <laughs> it's, it's, I think we're all kind of really having to, th- we're all really thinking about these things now. And I think that's like the conversations that I've been having with people are beyond like what I usually have. I feel like we're mm. all just kind of being a lot more like philosophical and kind of thinking about things in different ways. And actually I'm finding like I was ha- having chatting to like a few people on dating apps. Cause I just thought like, <laughs> let's see what I want. And now I'm like, I'm really not bothered. Um, but I, I, I like to see things for experiments, you know? Um, but I found it really interesting how all the conversations that we were having were just so much more um, real Really? I think before there used to be a lot of like posturing and like mm. even the kind of questions that you ask someone are so different now. It's like, like what? how are you? How are you? Are you okay? Right. You know, <laughs> like who do you live with? Are you, what are you eating? Like what, what did you get up to today? You know, like, re- like the quest, like, and all of the answers to those questions are a lot more revealing. Mm. Uh, where are your family? Are they okay? Do you know what I mean? Like right. I ended up having, really long chat with this guy all about like his family and how his parents divorced and now they get along and his uncle doesn't speak to his mom and you know all of these things and I was like oh, wow. I would ne- I would never ever have had this conversation with you if we weren't in this situation where we're actually just get, having real chat and that's actually been really refreshing I think we're all just like thinking about things in a, in a deeper way and all the things that we used to place importance on have just been completely usurped where it's like, okay, actually the important things are not necessarily the things that I thought were important before. Yeah. You know, kind of in the same vein, like my, my wife, Nora, she was saying that she doesn't miss, obviously like we miss a lot, you know, we miss our friends and like normal stuff, but she was saying one of the things she doesn't miss is, is like the busyness and like the pointless busyness. Like there was all this busyness where you just didn't think you had time for people or you didn't have time to take care of yourself. And then she, you know, suddenly none of that's there yet we're still doing the same work and we're still spending time in the same way but all the other stuff like we suddenly have more time for our friends and i was we kept wondering like what was that time filled with mm-hmm. and and is that going to come back like it just it just seemed like we we're just rushing around doing things that that actually don't matter because obviously our life is still continuing without those things so um true. and yeah it's just i mean i'm I'm a city boy and I really miss kind of city sounds. Like I miss, I miss the city feeling busy around me. I don't know if I miss feeling kind of out of time and busy all the time, but I miss the city feeling kind of alive. And someone yesterday was saying, uh, 
you know, like, oh, what's the point of living in London if everything's shut? I'm like, yeah, that's you just define the city. <laughs> like, the city is about everything being open and people being around and people from all over the world. Like, that's why you go to a city. I read this really beautiful article on Man Repeller, actually, mm. which I think it was Leah, I think it was the founder who wrote it. And she was basically saying how new, she lives in New York and she was saying, New York is not my house you know mm. new york is like the person at the coffee shop down the road who like knows what my order is like new york is like cramming myself on the subway like new york is all of those things and it's actually really true i think yeah. um yeah I, I definitely miss those things as well there's actually quite a few like funny a- um apps or websites and stuff though that you can listen to that you can put and one will be like the sound of the office and it will be like <laughs> yeah, yeah. you could like just listen <laughs> put it on your laptop and just listen along I have a friend who's really he's he can't fall asleep unless he's listening to like white noise. So he listens to the sound of vacuum cleaners, and it's insane. Like oh va- God, or, vacuum cleaner is not a white noise. I like, know, but like or, or, or what's the other one? Like fans, like AC fans. You know, like really strong fans. And so when you're at his place and you just switch on the TV, like and you put like the YouTube app, it's just all the recommended videos are these weird like white noise videos. That is amazing. So, By the way, these are my new like favorite um, things about people. Like, I really want to increasingly know people's quirks. Yeah, just go to their YouTube homepage. You What's can always tell. Quirk? What's your quirk? Mine's definitely my forty-minute alarms for sure. I, you know, I really love ironing. Yeah, like actively love okay. ironing. And I had a call today and I t- <laughs> with my business partners and I told them, do you mind if I keep ironing while we do the call? Because it helps me, it helps me think. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it was like, they're like, no, it's a nice change of scenery, you know, to watch you ironing instead of just sitting there. So, <laughs> so yeah, I guess I ironing, it's, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure what, I'm sure I have quirks, but like, I think if you have quirks, you just don't know their quirks. You just think you're yeah, normal. Yeah, so true. Um, yeah. yeah, it's true. But it's what about like what have you been um kind of watching or reading or listening to? Lots of great stuff. Um okay. I've actually started reading this book. God, I'm literally boiling. My blood is boiling every day when I read it though. I picked it up when I was in a, in a, in LA in a, yeah. like a flea market. It's like a vintage book, basically. It was published in 1970, and mm-hmm. it's called Sisterhood is Powerful. Okay. And it's an, antholo- an anthology of um, the female women's liberation movement. So right. it's basically like an amalgamation of like loads of different articles and pieces and poems and all of these, all of these different um, mediums of basically everything to, to do with women's liberation in America up until 1970 when it was published. Oh my, oh my God, like um, oh my blood is literally boiling. And it's so crazy because, you know, being from Egypt and writing, mm. you know, a book about like sometimes there being, you know, culture clashes, especially as a woman. What I realized writing the book is that actually it's not really a culture clash as a woman. We're actually in a patriarchal world. It's yeah. just that some countries have slightly moved further ahead than others essentially Mm -hmm. in the laws and in the kind of societal attitudes and this book is really hammering in that point because honestly the laws against women like or everything that they're saying I'm just like yeah I know this is still happening today in various forms and in various countries and it's just really like empower like kind of encouraging to sort of keep going but also really disheartening where you're Mm. like okay it's been 50 years and actually quite a few things are the same yeah i feel that way sometimes when you watch like an old uh film or or film that's historical that talks about race or something like that and you realize like uh like i really would have thought we would have come so much further further in this time but i guess it's such a slow kind of transform transformation like that you know that fight what's well, it's almost like the subtleties of all of those things like okay fine in in many cases thank god the laws have changed or you know the kind of top level thing will have changed but the root of it like the root of that belief or the root of whatever it was that made that law is still kind of 
lingering around I think um and I think that that's the that's super like that's just the crazy thing is just we could have moved forward but actually the the crux of it is the same um and I I think about like when I speak to my grandfather who's like you know 80 something or my mom even who was you know alive at the time that that book was released and it just makes me think like wow you grew up in a time where it wasn't even really okay to even have this conversation like if you if you even try to talk about feminism people would just think you were so weird and maybe that's maybe that's already something maybe that's already an accomplishment that a good way that we've come far is that at least now when you talk about it although you are still often told to shut up or you're an angry woman or you're bitter or whatever there is definitely more of an understanding that it's a conversation that is important to have yeah what you said you picked that up in la like at a secondhand kind of bookshop Mm -hmm. i love those i never usually buy vintage books yeah does you often find like you know, stuff to take because we're so used to reading kind of the new thing that's come out that everyone's told us to read or whatever, that when you just dip into a secondhand bookshop or something and you just pick something up that, I don't know, the title attracted you or something. Uh, yeah, you end up sometimes kind of going in a direction or dipping into a different world for a minute. It's you so know? true. So true. Like I've got a reading list of like 400 books and that wasn't on it. You know, it was never going to be on it otherwise. So, yeah, yeah. it's quite cool. I've been totally into feminist, feminist world. Um, I watched a movie called Misbehavior on Amazon, um, which is supposed to be in, or just, yeah, it was supposed to be in the cinema now. Um, And it's Kiara Knightley. And it's basically based on the true story of the women's liberation movement who protested Miss World in 1968. And that was kind of how, how women's lib kind of got on the map. Okay. Um, Brilliant, brilliant movie. Really? I need to check that out. So that's like you kind of just, I guess the all the things that were supposed to come out at the movies are their rentals now on, on Amazon or I whatever? Paid, I paid $9.99 to okay. watch it, yeah. Like a cinema ticket, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, cinema tickets are more than that. I mean, I haven't, yeah, yeah. to be honest, like I don't go a ton to the cinema just because I, well, first of all, it's, I kind of find it really expensive but also uh, especially in london but also like i just hate people like with their kind of whatsapp conversations and crunching popcorn like i i'm, I'm kind of happy that you can now watch stuff at home um yeah. new stuff anyway uh well i've been listening to music not really you know i've, I've been kind of like yeah not really i think I don't know. Are you like, I'm listening to podcasts more. Like, I feel like I'm, I just want like conversation yeah. a bit more. I'm like tuning into Instagram lives. I don't know. Mm. How about you? What have you been watching and reading and listening to? Well, like on the music thing, like I realized, cause I usually listen to music, obviously if I'm at the gym or if I'm walking or if I'm commuting. So I was, none of those things mm-hmm. exist in my life. And now I'm walking, I'm always walking with my wife. So I'm never kind of alone. And even if I'm alone, like I, I just miss hearing sounds of the yeah. street, so I just don't listen to anything. But um, I've been mainly, I guess, TV is the stuff I've been consuming the most. So I I, I watch this great French TV show called uh, Le Bureau des Légendes, which is just called The Bureau in English, which is a spy thriller kind of thing. It's all, I mean, it's got, I think, four or five seasons. It's called Mathieu, Mathieu Kasovitz in the lead role. And um, it's basically about the DGSE, which is the French CIA or whatever. Okay. Which you realize there's never really, you know, there's a lot of CIA MI6 stories, but there's not really any DGSE stories. Um, and so uh, I I went to like a French school and I speak French and like a lot of my kind of culture growing up was French then I just disconnected from all of that for the last 10 years so this has been a in how you said the actor's name (laughs) (laughs) yeah but I kind of just like forgot that part of myself and I've been trying you know with the help of my sister because my sister is very like hooked into French culture and I just told her like you know watch and she didn't tell me about this but she was like we've been watching um there's this YouTube channel called Combini and it's basically kind of quick short interviews with pop culture 
people in, in French. And he popped up and I was like, okay, I'm going to check out that show. I've been meaning to check out. So that's really good. I also watched Black AF. Oh my God. Yeah, I've been watching it as well. What do you think of it? Oh man, it's so good. Like I had no idea what to expect because I've never watched Blackish. I don't know. Oh, I just you have that... watched Grownish, definitely. Yeah. Because I never, I don't know, I just never felt they were for me. But I, maybe the trailers never, I don't know what it was. Like something about them just felt too, almost like soap opera. I, I don't know, I couldn't figure, I just didn't feel they were for me. They, like they were a bit like This Is Us or something. Like I felt like they were soap, soapy. Uh, okay. But then like I saw this and I'm, I couldn't stop. Like I was just like laughing my ass off the whole way. Like just genius. So much fun and just like such a cool and I love like I like they drop all these like knowledge bombs like throughout the show. Uh, well, that's what's so good about like Blackish and Grownish do that as well, and that yeah. Grownish in particular, I love, and it might be because it's like a young girl in university and her friendships mm. and stuff. So I feel like right. I quite like I, I could just quite enjoy watching that. But they always do that as well, where each episode has like a theme, like a. a important theme like something quite substantial yeah. and they do it they tackle it in like a really fun interesting way where you also learn and yeah black af do it as well because i guess he's a creator right but yeah brilliant yeah. absolutely so, brilliant. so what's his name kenya kenya barris and i love i love these shows a bit like curb your enthusiasm and like all these shows where it's a real person who's taken to like the most ridiculous version of themselves like they're playing themselves with a ridiculous version of themselves and um mm-hmm. uh, and so yes, yeah, so I loved him and and everyone and like Rashida Jones and the kids. Every, everyone in it's so good, and it did really make me want to watch Blackish actually. Um, yeah. And I love that he makes fun of himself. He's like, "Do I just make shows about black people?" Like he keeps he keeps like, and it's it's so much fun because like that's what people actually like. I I question myself a lot. Like, am I pander? Like, do I just keep talking about Arabs because like that's an easy way into the film and, and book industry whatever like is that really what i want to do then i realized like yeah obviously it is what i want to do but like you have those questions you just never say that because you sound like an idiot when you say them out loud yeah no i think it's a difficult one with that especially because it's like i've been thinking about this a lot because for a long time i never wrote about being middle eastern or never yeah. really thought about these things that much and then i think just as i got older i started to feel like okay well no one's speaking on my behalf you know mm-hmm. like i can't just like sit here and wait for someone to say what i think should be said so i'm gonna say it basically yeah. and i think that's the thing is like when we don't have representation we don't even have obviously you don't have to if you don't want to but i mean if you feel like you want to then we need to like go full throttle and do it because there there's so bloody few yeah and there's so much stuff i mean i found myself yesterday kind of thinking a weird because you know when you think representation you i mean mainly think that you want good representations but i was thinking there's never been a true crime podcast about Arab serial killers, which, mm-hmm. which, uh, which is a weird thing to want represented, I guess. But I'm curious, you know, the same way people are curious and kind of morbidly curious about, uh, you know, serial killers in the US or UK or wherever. Like, I'm kind of curious, like, what's our version of a serial killer? Because that says a lot about some... Yes, I was thinking like that's that's another separate podcast I want to do. <laughs> like... I think mean, that's really cool. I'm like, what? No, I yeah, think yeah, yeah. Be- that's, but that that's the privilege of being well represented right mm-hmm. is that you can then have like really bad guys and you can like do all yeah. these different things and it's not like this is the one sole story of what it means to be american or what it means mm-hmm. to be arab or what it means to be anything well that i've just launched um the greater conversation my newsletter mm-hmm. and that's very much what i was what I'm trying to do with that is essentially kind of have many, many, many stories, essentially. Like I've been getting so many messages um, from Middle Eastern women in the months since my book came out. Um, Loads of people wanting to kind of share their stories and, and just sort of open up. And I'm like, okay, well, actually, I think this needs to be on a bigger, on a bigger platform because actually when we're, when we see different stories we're able to sort of feel more normal I think like we kind of feel seen we feel like okay cool my experiences are valid and worthy um and it also just gives us more depth because we're not all obviously exactly the same we all have our own nuances and our own experiences and the more we have I think the more 
a fully rounded person or culture, perhaps even we are, we appear to be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, it's like when you learn kind of in uh, screenwriting or like novel writing class, you, you often, one of the first things you learn is, you know, never make a character one thing or the other. Like if someone's good, you have to give them something that's really detestable about them. And if someone's bad, you have to make them appealing and you have to make something interesting about them. And I think we get, because like you're saying, like there's so few representations that we feel the pressure to make them good in a way like you know every other people are doing the bad representation so we feel a need to but that's yeah like you said like who said this i i can't remember exactly who said this i think it was someone around the time of uh when crazy rich asians came out i don't know if it was the director or just someone who was reviewing the film but they said like kind of the luxury of a film like this shows true representation is that crazy rich asians is not about being asian it's a romantic mm-hmm. comedy. Like being Asian is secondary to the story. It's not an, you know, it's nothing happens because they're Asian. Things happen because they're in love, because he's rich, because whatever, because this, because that, because the mom's an asshole. Like that's why things happen, not because they're Asian. And that's yeah. that's when you've really made it in terms of representation is when it's just, you know, there's different kinds of people on the screen and the story isn't about that. Exactly. It's not about where they're from. It's about who they are. Yeah. What else? What have I been... That's kind of... I've been reading... Have you read uh, Trick Mirror by Gia Tolentino? No, I haven't yet. Are you reading it? Oh, man. Yeah. Because I'm writing an essay for uh, a collection, like an anthology that's coming out like in a few months. Um, And the editor told me... The editors told me you should read the this book by G. I mean, I follow her on Twitter, obviously, and she writes for the New Yorker and I, I read her New Yorker stuff and I've been meaning to get the book. It's just like, it's in hardback and I hate hardbacks. Like, I don't know why, like I just prefer paperbacks cause I can like abuse them and, you know, like throw them around and, and hardbacks. I, you know, I like to put like, I like to put my paperbacks in my back pocket when I'm walking in the street, like just, oh, wow. I don't know. I just find them more portable anyway. Um, so I was kind of oh, waiting God fit a book in my back pocket yeah i mean okay, I, I, I my i think my back pocket's quite quite big but, yeah i uh, think it's definitely to mine yeah um but yeah she just writes i mean she writes amazingly and she's really fun so it's it's this combination of extremely good writing with someone who has a playful tone and is not very serious I mean, obviously everything's research and obviously she's thought a lot and obviously she's a New Yorker writer, so she's amazing and all this stuff, but it still feels like a friend. Uh, and a lot of what she talks about is very familiar. I guess we're, I mean, I think she's a bit younger than me, but she talks, uh, you know, the first essay is about her kind of beginnings as a person who lived online. And she talks about her GeoCities website and her Angel Fire website and her AOL account, like, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that's how I started. I had a GeoCities website. And yeah, and you, so she said, and then obviously through all of that, she's saying very important things about the parts of ourselves we lose online and how we perform online and all of these other things. I mean, that's just one essay. I mean, a lot of them are about, you know, drugs and religion and feminism. And so she, she covers a lot of ground and it's just a really, really good book. Oh, I'm dying to read that. I've got it on my reading list. I can't wait to get to it. I've been hearing so many amazing, amazing things about that book. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's one for you. I think you would like definitely enjoy that. And I'm reading like um, the other thing, which is like the polar opposite, is I'm reading uh, Don Winslow, this uh, crime writer. He has a new book out called Broken. And it's his six novellas about kind of cops and criminals like each novella is like they, they kind of alternate between the good quote-unquote good side and bad side but again they're both like compromised on both sides and that's like a super kind of noirish gritty like it's like the I, I kind of always balance out books like this one that's do you read one at the same time or do you finish one and then go on to the other uh no i kind of i always have like a couple of books on the go at the same time which I don't know if it's a sm- I, I, I've never figured out if that's good or bad that I do that. I still, I still don't a know. A lot of people do that. Some people do like, I'm, again, I'm so interested in all of these random things <laughs> that people do. Some 
people do like they listen to something on audiobook they'll read something on paperback and then they'll read something else on kindle for example right um like yeah people switch up my mom's actually started to do because her concentration levels have been really bad she was saying she's not been able to really read at all the last few weeks um so what she's been doing is listening on audiobook while reading like like the same book okay Um, and she'll kind of just speed it up so that it's at the same pace as her reading and she's found that really really helpful like she was like i'm speeding through books now i just saw a thing like this there's this amazon uh uh a Kindle award or something for like books that are self-published. Cause I'm, I'm thinking of self-publishing a, a book. And um, I was looking at the guy who won it last year. They did a little video with him and he said he does the first draft of his book by like dictation. So he walks around his house and the garden kind of dictating the first draft. Then he gets a transcript. He uses like a transcription software and that's his first draft. Then he starts writing it from there. So he takes that dictation draft and turns it into something else in the second draft. And I kept thinking wow. that's, that's genius. Cause that's like, I think that way. And I've, re- I'm going to try that. I think, cause I struggle so much with the first draft. Cause you know, the first draft is always kind of shit. And well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's meant to be shit, but, but, it's meant to be shit. but I find myself it, I think, to make it shit. Yeah. Then it's like, Ooh. Yeah, I struggle with that. Like, I still like see something like, oh, I need to fix that now. And whereas most people who get it done, <laughs> like just actually go th- all the way through, then come back and fix. And I kind of sabotage myself by fixing as I go along. And I think if I just dictate it and can't see it, I'm, I have to keep going. So I'm going to try yeah. that. that. That's my that's my trick. That's I'm going to try that this week. That sounds really interesting. I think it depends how your brain works, though. Because like for me, I don't think I'd be able to do that. I think... I think while I'm writing, if that right. makes sense. So mm-hmm. like, as I'm going, I kind of figure out what I want to say. I don't think that I would be able to just do it in my head or like out loud. I don't know. I guess that's the cool thing about humans is that we all do things yeah. so differently. What's been your, um, so we're going to do like what low lights and highlights. Let's do low right. light first so that it's, so we can be happy after. Um, <laughs> so was your low light of the week uh low light honestly i think it's just like a general mood i think just this i think i'm just i can't deal with this lockdown anymore which i know is it's kind of spoiled just because you know there's so much people that are going through tough things and people who've had to be out this whole time doing difficult jobs but i just feel like i'm starting to deteriorate like mentally like i can't like everything all the positivity i've been keeping up I, it's just like if i don't have an end date if if no one tells me like okay on may 15th you'll be able to go to a bookshop or whatever like just something normal like i don't i need that so that's like been the low light is trying to stay positive while not having kind of an exit from any of this uh what about you but i think i think that's the thing is that and even in you like even in you being like oh I know that there's so many people who are having way more worse situations. Like mm. I feel like this is the kind of burden that we all have to carry right now because of course there are, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like we know that, like finish, mm. we know. And it just feels so like we have to kind of justify any like slight wobble that we might have because mm-hmm. we are safe and at home and warm and with food in our fridge, you know, which yeah. of course these are all privileges. Of course, mm-hmm. no one is saying that they're, but I think not, not like not allowing ourselves to feel sad or to feel like oh my god this is a really horrible thing scary sad thing mm. is 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 also just making it more difficult for ourselves because yeah, I yeah agree. we're also allowed to be sad even if we're alhamdulillah safe you know which actually like a friend of mine the other day was telling me because I'm having lots of anxiety. And he said, but, you know, you, why do you have anxiety? You know, if you've got a wife you love and you're together and whatever and all this. And I said, no, but that's that's even the worst part of anxiety is you then have guilt because you know that you shouldn't be feeling anxious, that everything's fine and you're lucky. But you still this is a feeling. It's not it's not it's not a choice to feel anxious, you know. Uh, and I know it's not, it's not 
quite the same thing, but this has been something that's been bothering me for years. And I actually wrote an article about it a few years ago with the way that people respond to like celebrities and celebrities mm. having mental health issues or being sad or having any kind of problem. Yeah. It's like, why are you sad? Like you've got loads of money or why are you sad? <laughs> you've got like 5 million followers on Instagram or why are you, you know? And it's like, none of these things actually have much impact on yeah. especially mental health you know they probably have a um, negative i think having five million followers will have a negative impact on your mental health yeah well yeah <laughs> very possible but that's the thing and i'm like there's no there's no like fight for who's in the worst situation and therefore yeah. is allowed to be sad you know and i think that is important to remember um but yeah my low light is nowhere near as like <laughs> mine's really true <laughs> like so dumb and and uh, but basically i i'm really not self-sufficient guys like it's not cool it is not cool. <laughs> i just can't handle it like every day kitchen fail kitchen fail like it's just never ending i've realized that i've um so I've been using my oven on the wrong setting for the last two years <laughs> I, I hate the oven, to be honest. The oven is the worst. Like, I hate the oven. It's just but, but really thing, sad. But this is the thing. with. So I used to hate cooking and be useless at cooking until my wife basically said, like, you need to do more cooking. <laughs> like, she's like, this is not funny anymore. You know, and <laughs> she's like, you know, I do a lot of other stuff around the house, but she's like, you need to participate in the cooking. Like, this is not okay. So uh, we started doing HelloFresh boxes. And those come with like really like dummy, like recipes for dummies. Like there's no way to mess that up. And I did those for a few months. Then I kind of stopped being scared of the kitchen. So I started to, you know, I know what happens when I throw in some ginger and throw in some, like I start to know like what the reactions are going to be in the pan. I still hate the oven though. So like everything I put in the oven fails. Anything I do on the countertop like works. So I just don't do oven stuff anymore. And and now like I actually enjoy it. Now I don't even need those recipes. Like I kind of know what I'm doing, and I feel. Amazing. And again, like like you said, like I felt like very unself sufficient, and now I feel self sufficient enough to like you know kind of you know even if I see a recipe, I'm like oh I don't have these two things, but I can switch this one in for that, which is wow, something like that is yeah. Very impressive. I mean, I used to see people do that and go like wow, this person's a wizard. But then I realized yeah. like all I have to do is just cook for a year, and you know what you're doing. Like it's not. But I think people just don't explain to you what's going on and why you're doing things. So I found what's that? There's a documentary on Netflix, uh, uh, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Okay. Um, and the chef, uh, her name, I forget her name right now, but she talks about um, basically, she tells you what these things do to cooking, like what the fat does and what the salt does. So you start to understand why you're putting salt into a dish or why you're putting like heat. And so like it, I, for me, it helps me cook to know why I'm doing something like the reason makes like, then I, I actually enjoy doing it rather than someone just telling me like, that's just how it's done. I don't respond yeah, to that. Yeah. What about highlights? Highlight. Um, highlight. Actually, I think the highlight has been, I did my first Instagram live. Oh yeah. Um, I saw that. It was a lot of fun. I took over Postscript's Instagram. They're mm -hmm. a really cool, like, cultural anthology that I've done, like, a bit of work with in the past. So it was me and a couple of other authors that I love their work. So it was a real cool privilege to do. And basically, we each did, like, a reading from our book and then had, like, a chat and stuff. And it was – I was really nervous, like, surprised. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is so weird. I'm literally sitting alone in my house in front of my phone. But I had, like, nerves. But it was really fun to just be able to have, like, instant kind of um, – like, I could see people watching and kind of responding as I was reading. Um, they were, like, asking me questions and stuff. And it felt really nice to sort of engage with people, I suppose. Um and also I put makeup on for the first time in like a month. Um, so that was actually really, really nice actually to just be like, oh yeah, I forgot I could look like that. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I understand what you mean about the live though. Like I've never gone live. I mean, no one's waiting for me to go live on Instagram anyway. <laughs> but, uh, but I don't know, there is we a weird, do a live. Like, we yeah. should do a live. Yeah, we should promote this thing with a live. Uh 
but I always feel like it's a, it is a weird, like different vulnerability. Like something goes, I mean, it's life, like anything live is scarier. And just because you're at home and it's a smaller audience doesn't mean nothing can go wrong. Uh, yeah, that's true. So no, I understand like why that's kind of, uh, but that's cool. I saw that. Yeah. It looked, it looked fun and it's nice to kind yeah. of create your, create your little setup and feel it's like an event, right? Yeah, the whole day I was like, okay, so at 5 p.m. I'm going live. So I kind of planned my day around it. So it was, yeah, it is. It's nice. It's like an activity. I found that scheduling things in like that, even if yeah. it's like other people. It's like my favorite DJ. Fridays, I've been going to his club nights for years, like literally yeah. 10 years. Who is it? Every single Manny Norte. Okay. Love him. Shout out Manny. Um, <laughs> he's never going to listen to this. Anyway, for every Friday. <laughs> every friday and saturday night he um does instagram lives and he's just like djing from his house and because i've been going for so long i know a lot of the other people who also go to his nights. so i'm like in the comments all my friends like people that no i would not my home people that i would see in the club so we're all like hey oh my god what are you drinking haha <laughs> like oh i'm just gonna go to you know like and it's actually so much fun like it's been so nice it's like highlight of my weekend actually is dancing along in my living room to Manny Norte's Instagram live that that I've seen a lot of that going on we did we're, we've been doing like zoom parties at the weekend and the thing is like we're only we're doing them Fridays and Saturdays so like it so that they feel like the weekend which I you know I don't know maybe it's silly but like it's uh it's we find it fun and kind of it keeps like a bit of normal normal life in there. I think you do have to do things like that to differentiate but, weekdays and weekends and stuff. What's your highlight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean uh so my highlights are kind of work related because so we so I have this production company, Last Floor Productions. Uh, like just plugging it casually <laughs> no but uh but um we had kind of before all this happened we got a green light for a tv show for a, a middle eastern streaming service and obviously that got put Amazing. on hold yeah i mean it was so exciting like this is kind of i don't know why i waited so long to make kind of tv my career <laughs> but anyway like i'm there now um and obviously that got put on hold so it was very disappointing and just, you know, like I said earlier, we had, you know, I guess everyone went through the same thing. You know, first couple of weeks was just depression and trying to wrestle with all these feelings. And then we started getting, you know, kind of our brains functioning, functioning again. And so we started coming up with this idea to pitch them in the meantime, you know, and we reached out to some actors in Saudi Arabia and in Lebanon and here in London. And, and like, everyone's like really excited. And so, so we're just trying to build this thing so it's just so exciting and we're building it like we have to build it fast and so we're pitching it like this week and we'll get a maybe an okay next week like, if it happens Amazing. so yeah so that's has been like the thing that's been kind of keeping me you know like feeling electrified is yeah like the thing i wanted to do didn't disappear because like at the beginning of this i just went oh well i guess that's my tv career like over before it's even started and you know so it just feels like a nice way to kind of get back some normality work-wise it must be nice to also be um like collaborating with people on it because yeah. i think a lot of the time writing can be such an isolating experience so yeah. to be able to kind of come up ideas and work with someone must be really fun yeah because i've been finding myself like really envying people who basically have a normal job and they're now okay they're stuck at home but they're still on zoom all day in meetings with everyone with familiar faces and you know, if you're a writer, if you're an artist or whatever, you're independently employed or you're self-employed and you're alone, there's no normality. Like everyone, you know, your freelance clients are basically telling you to fuck off because they don't have the budget right now and everyone's furloughing their own stuff and whatever. So you don't. And so, yeah, it feels nice to have my two business partners to talk to and then like bringing other people in. Like, yeah, it just feels, you know, real as, a, you know, in a way that that's nice and comforting and I yeah. know exactly what you mean. well that's yeah. exciting oh my God, yeah, yeah. very so excited, excited about that we'll next week oh yeah hopefully it's some good news i don't know <laughs> we'll see You'll have to update me. so yeah so i guess we can wrap this up here yeah it's been nice chatting yeah. i think 
it's like worth letting people know that we're not always going to do these alone. Like we're going to try and bring in some friends, hopefully every week. We've got a list of who we want to bring in. Um, you know, same as us, people who are just kind of trying to keep going while at home, trying to keep them, most of them, I guess, in the creative world and music and writing and film and TV. Trying to and create some bootleg magic. Bootleg magic. There we go. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, next so week. we will be back next week. We See will you be guys. back. See you guys Stay then. Stay inside. Stay happy. <laughs> there we go. We can <laughs> we can leave we can, we can leave on that. We can leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've gone loopy. <laughs>